Well, all I can say this morning is you better be glad I don't have the moves and rhythm because I'd be jamming with that little tune right there. I love it. I've loved that little bumper this whole series, so I need to take dance lessons or something. Anyway, on to the important stuff. Thanks for being here today. Um, If you missed the welcome, I'm Danny, our campus pastor here, and I have an opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Pastor Philip is enjoying a little bit of vacation, and so when he goes, oftentimes the campus pastors get to speak live at each of their campuses, and that's always a thrill for us to get that opportunity to do that. So uh, I have the next few moments I get to spend with you this morning, and I really am excited about it. I couldn't say that to you a week ago. I was not excited at all about being here today. As you know, we are in a series um, called Living Your Blessed Life, and we're looking at the Beatitudes and a lesson, some lessons that Jesus taught in the Beatitudes. And for the sake of time, instead of me going through trying to recap all of that for you, let me just suggest that you go to our app or to our website, and you can catch up on any sermons that you've missed. But today we're going to be dealing with a topic Um, reconciliation that I just don't want to preach on. I'll just be honest with you. I'm going to share something in a few moments so we'll give you a little bit more of a background on maybe why it is I didn't want to share. But your card, when you came in today, you'll notice your sermon notes are blank. And it's not because I don't have anything to tell you today. It's because Thursday afternoons, as I shared with you a couple weeks ago, we always get together, the worship team and the pastors, and we run over what's going to happen on Sunday. And we go over all of the music transitions. We go over sermon notes and what's going to be talked about. And on Thursday, I just told the guys. I said, guys, I don't know right now. I know what I'm supposed to be speaking on, but God hasn't clearly given me the message yet. So very scary to me. Never done this before. At noon yesterday, I texted Ben and I said, Ben, I've sent you the notes uh, to put on the screens for tomorrow. Uh, That's how late this sermon came together because I just, I I didn't want to do it. And I was scared to do this message and I knew it was going to be personal. It really boils down to the fact God was dealing with me on some things that I really didn't want to have to deal with. And I was able to work through that. So today, I'm going to be sharing a tough message with you, and I'm going to, again, share it from a a personal standpoint, but I think the topic today we're all going to identify with, every single one of us in here dealing with conflict and resolving conflict. So my hope and prayer is that God speaks to you like God spoke to me as he laid this message on my heart, and I think maybe Pastor Philip knew uh, what he was doing, or maybe God leading him and giving me this topic, because like I say, I normally wouldn't have dealt with this, and I would have put it away like I normally do, but God in his great wisdom said, nope, Danny you're going to deal with this today, and you're going to have to face it. And so that's what I've done. So as we get started today, let me read the beatitude that um, this whole message is coming off of, and it's coming out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and God's Word says this, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And I don't want you to miss this, because a lot of times we think about peace, and we think about the whole idea, it's just an absence of strife or enmity, enmity. But the reality is this Greek word means way more than that. This Greek word actually carries with it the idea of working for justice, working for righteousness, working for reconciliation, working toward mercy. So this is a huge word, that that's what God is calling us to be, to be peacemakers when it comes to justice, when it comes to righteousness, when it comes to mercy, when it comes to reconciliation. And this morning, the particular message that I'm going to be sharing with you is dealing uh, more with the reconciliation part of being a peacemaker. And so that's where we're going to take off today. And, and reconciliation simply means to restore. And so what we're talking about today is to restore relationships that are in conflict. And so, again, that's, that's difficult for me, and you're going to hear why in a moment, and I'm sure that you have your own story about why that's difficult for you. But here's an incredible truth that you probably didn't know, and that is we all have conflicts in our lives. 
We all have conflicts. If some other person is involved, typically there's going to be some type of conflict at some point in the journey, much less if you add family members and you add coworkers and you add friends. The more people we add into our life, the more opportunity there is for us to experience conflict. So I think that all of us are going to be able to identify with this message today. One of the first things I do want to ask you to write down on your card this morning is this, and what, that is some of the consequences to unresolved conflict. What are some of the consequences when you and I don't practice re- reconciliation and we allow unresolved conflict to stay in our lives? There's a lot of them, but there are three today I want to look at that are really, really, really critical. And the first one is this, that when you and I allow unresolved conflict to stay in our lives, we, it blocks our fellowship with God. Listen to that. When we allow unresolved conflict in our lives, it blocks our fellowship with God. God's not able to communicate with us like he desires because there's sin in our life, because there's a broken relationship in our life, and that's a big deal to God. And as a result of that, it hurts our relationship with God when we don't resolve conflict with other people. Another thing it does, it blocks our prayers. Wow, that's pretty scary to think about. The unresolved conflict can block our prayers, but here's the reality of it. Scripture teaches very clearly that when we hide, when we harbor sin in our lives, it affects God's ability to hear our prayers. That's pretty scary. So when you and I won't do what God tells us to do here and be peacemakers and resolve those conflicts and work toward reconciliation, it actually blocks our prayers from getting to God because it's sin that's in our lives. A third thing it does is it blocks our happiness. Uh, And you know this as well as I do. When you're in conflict with somebody, that is just inner turmoil. Uh, It causes anger. It causes hurt. It causes bitter. It causes all these different emotions. And we lose our happiness when you and I fail to deal with conflict and we fail to try to reconcile relationships that aren't where they need to be. And again, there are so many different consequences to it, but those are three really big ones I want you to keep in mind as we go through the message today. And here's why this is real for me. Um, I'm 51 years old. When I was a whopping three years old, my mom and dad divorced. Um, And I don't remember a whole lot from three years old. At five years old, my mom remarried to my stepdad. I don't remember a whole lot probably, I don't know, until I was six or seven. But one of the things I started realizing when I hit six and seven years old was that it just didn't seem like my dad wanted to spend a lot of time with me or my siblings. Uh, We would go over to his house, and you could tell he didn't put much planning into what we would be doing for the weekend. Didn't have a lot of interaction with us most of the time. uh, We went to play with a stepsister. We would go outside and play. So I got a little bit older, I started realizing more and more that dad really doesn't, doesn't have a lot of time for us, doesn't want to spend a whole lot of time with us, and it's kind of a chore for him to make telephone calls to check on us. It's kind of a chore for us to go over to his house or for him to show up at a sporting event or something that my sister was doing, something like that. I started realizing that just wasn't on his radar. And then as I got to college and an adult, it became harder and harder. We would typically get together once a year around Christmas time. I found myself, it seemed like oftentimes reaching out to him, seldom would that ever be reciprocated for me. At times we would go through little seasons where things got, got better, but it was typically because I felt like or my siblings felt like we were reaching out to him. And then last Christmas, it kind of hit a boiling point for us. And my brother was in contact with my dad. Again, we primarily got together at Christmas. And um, over and over again, my dad just made excuses. I I may have to work that day. I I don't know what's going on. I don't know if we're going to be with with the other side of the family that day. Just excuse after excuse. And finally, my brother just said to him, well, Dad, why don't you just call us and let us know over Christmas when we can see you? And unfortunately, Christmas came and Christmas went, and we didn't hear anything from my dad. 
And at that point, so this would have been December the 26th of last year, I pretty much washed my hands of my dad. And I was like, you know what, Dad? If you can't even let us know you can't meet with us and have the courtesy to do that, I don't have any time for you. At, th- at, th- at, three, at five years old, I had a stepdad who was my dad, and that's who I consider my dad. He loves me, provided for me, supports me, checks on me, calls me. So at that point, I was like, you know what? Who cares? I'm done. He lives his life. I'll live my life. We're fine. I was okay with that for the most part, until Philip gave me this message. When Pastor Philip gave me this message and I saw it, I thought, no, 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 I can't do this message. But the more God worked on my heart, the more I realized, yeah, you can do this message. And it's part of the reason, again, why I was so late getting it together, because God began to work in my heart and say to me, Danny, you're a peacemaker, and you will continue to be a peacemaker as long as you're my child, so you will continue to pursue a relationship with your dad. It's not what I wanted to hear. Uh, honestly, it's not the next steps I want to take over these next few weeks to try to reconcile with my dad. What I really want to do, if I'm honest with you, is just continue to push him out of my life and just realize God's provided an incredible stepdad for me who was my father, and so don't worry about my birth father. And quite honestly, if I'm really honest with you, I don't even call him my dad. I usually refer to my, to my birth father as just that my birth father. So for me, this message just smacked me right in the face. Um, God, I think, hopefully he wants you to hear something, but I think more than anything else, he wanted Danny Wilson to realize you're a peacemaker, and I've called you to do that, and you're going to have to do it. So today, as we go through the message, just know it's it's personal for me, and I want to ask you this question this morning. I want to ask you to think about the relationship where conflict has been destructive in your life. Because chances are every one of us have a person right now or persons who've come to our mind that you think that's the person Danny's talking about. That's the person I have unresolved conflict about. And that's the person I want you to have through your mind throughout my whole message this morning. I was also reminded just last week, had two conversations, and it's funny how God just reminded me last week how um, relevant this topic is. Two conversations last week, one with an individual who is just has a tremendously bad relationship with, with her mom and just the toll that's taken on her. And then I met another person who just shared with me that that's pretty much the scene for, for, for this person's whole family. It's a mom, it's a dad, it's siblings, it's aunts, it's uncles. One grandparent is all this person really has in their life and everybody else is just in conflict with this person. So I realize this really is a relevant topic that a lot of people struggle with. I also want to ask you to do this for me for just a moment, and that's to think about how the pain from that broken relationship affects you. I'm going to use some words here, and I'd love to tell you that these are ones that I had to really sit around and think a long time about to share with you, but these are how I feel right now about the unbroken relationship or the broken relationship that I have with my father. And they're words like this, I'm bitter. I'm bitter toward my dad. I'm bitter at why I'm not good enough for my dad. I'm bitter that why my daughter is not good enough that her grandfather could invest in her life. So I'm bitter about that. I am hurt. I'm tremendously hurt. Again, dad, what have I done to you? I mean, I try to reach out to you. I try to keep this relationship going, and you continue to drop the ball over and over again. And yeah, that that hurts, and that stings some. Anger, you better believe it. Uh, When my brother and I talk about my dad, which we try not to do that much, both of us uh, very quickly I can sense the anger with both of us that we just don't get it. We don't understand. We don't understand how our sacrifices and the times we try to make it work, why that's not enough. If I'm really honest with you, I blame God to some degree. I don't understand how God won't work in my dad's life and convict him about this and bring him to a different place to where he realizes, you know what, these are my children and they may be 
in their 50s now, but I still need to pour into them. And I don't understand why God won't do more to fix this relationship than he'll do. And I know that's foolishness on my part, but I'm just being transparent with you this morning. And then I guess if I really had one word to use with you, I'd just tell you I'm confused. I don't get it. As a, as a dad to my daughter, I can't fathom not being involved in her life, not wanting to know the fine details of her life, not wanting to have the laughs and go through the hard times with her. I can't imagine that. And so I'm confused at what, what's the deal with my dad that he doesn't want that same thing with his children. So those are just some of the things that I go through, some of those, the pain that I go through. And you may have other words that you would add to that, but the reality of it is these, un, these broken relationships, these relationships that are in conflict, they carry a toll and they hurt us and they do some of the very things I've talked about and words that you might want to add to that. And what happens is these emotions that we're going through, they make re reconciliation extremely, extremely difficult. Because typically, if you're anything like me, I feel like that I've, been, that I've been done wrong and I've continued to try to do right. And I think, when does this stop? When am I okay to stop pursuing this and let this go? So it makes reconciliation seem like it's forever off and that it's never going to happen because it hasn't happened up to this point. So for me, I just feel like, hey, all these countless moves that I'm making, all these times that I'm trying to reach out to my birth dad, they're not doing anything, and they haven't been doing anything for most of my life. So I want you to think about this, and this will be something else I'll challenge you to write down this morning, and that's what are some of the barriers to reconciliation? What are some of the things that keep us from doing that? And four things in particular, I think, keep us from pursuing that and going after reconciliation. One of them is fear. One of them is fear. And this is just being afraid to reveal our true self and our hurts. One of the things that keeps me from reconciling with my father is that I am fearful of sitting down and sharing with him my true feelings. Because I don't know how he's going to respond to that. I don't know how he's going to take what I feel like I need to share with him and the weight of what I'm going to share with him. So I'm, I'm fearful of being able to share that with him. Another thing that keeps us from reconciliation sometimes is pride. We feel like that we're in the right or we feel like we've done all the work, or we feel like that we are the ones who are the most godly in this situation, or whatever the situation might be, but there's a pride that builds up in us that keeps us from going there and admitting, hey, I'm hurt, I'm struggling, I may be part of the problem myself, and I want to work on this, and so our pride keeps us from going to that person and talking with them and discussing what it is that we're going through. Another one is um, there's just been too much lost time. For me, that's a big one. Again, I'm 51 years old, and I stop and I think, you know, God, if you give me 25, 30, 35 more years, again, I'm 51 years old. I've lost more than half of my life with somebody that doesn't even seem to really care, and too much time has gone by, so why in the world should I pursue this? Why should I go after this relationship and try to preserve it? And then the last one is that we're just vulnerable. The reality is when we sit down and we have a hard conversation with someone and we try to move toward reconciliation, there's really only two options. They're either going to accept that attempt at reconciliation or they're going to push you away. They're going to push you away once again. And that's where I am. I feel vulnerable because I feel like if I go to my dad and I sit down and I have this conversation, then once and for all he may look at me and say, Danny, I'm just not interested. Or once and for all say to me, Danny, I, I don't want to be part of your life anymore. Just as easy as he could look at me and say, Danny, I'm sorry, let's work on this, let's repair this thing. But you have to be vulnerable when you're willing to, to practice reconciliation. And that's difficult and it's scary when we do that. And that vulnerability for me is something that keeps me from doing that. So again, many, many different barriers, but those are four that I think are really prevalent a lot of times in our life. So again, maybe you identify with that, write down your own and begin to pray about God and that particular barrier that you're struggling with. 
But here's the deal. No matter what we feel, we need to understand that being a peacemaker or reconciling in a relationship is 100% critical to God. It is very, very important that we are reconcilers and that we are trying to make things right to bring that relationship back together. It's very important and because we were created, one of the primary reasons we were created is to worship God. He wants to be in a relationship with us. He wants us to honor him and to please him. He wants us to understand his love and his commitment and his forgiveness and his hope. And he wants that relationship. But he also wants us to have that same relationship with other people, that we love them, that we care about them, that we're in a good place with them. And, that, and he's passionate about that because he, he just desires that with all of his heart. And I think about the fact that he wants that relationship with you and with me so much, more than anything else, that he would send his son Jesus Christ to die that messed up, screwed up, sinful people like me, and maybe some of you sitting out there can identify with that, but that he would come for us and say to us, I want a relationship with you and you're so messed up and sinful, you can't get to me, so I'm sending Jesus to bridge that gap. That's how much that relationship matters with him, and that's how much a relationship with other people mattered to him, that he would say to us, fix this. And we're going to see some verses in just a minute that show just how important that relationship is. So with that being said, I want to look at Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Just very briefly, I'm going to pull out just a few nuggets of that, uh, of this passage that I want you to jot down that are going to help us understand a little bit more about reconciliation, and then we'll look at some quick steps and we'll be done. But uh, Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, here's what God's Word says. Amazing verses. So, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, listen to this, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Did you catch what just happened right there? I'm going to read that to you again. This is, a, this is pretty critical right here. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled for that person, to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Interestingly enough, the Sermon on the Mount was a message that was spoke by Jesus. So these are Jesus' words that he's sharing right now. And I want to take just a minute and pull out some things from some different phrases in there. And the first thing I want you to write down real quickly is presenting a sacrifice. Presenting a sacrifice. That word sacrifice means gift. And the reality is it, it's kind of, to me, an expectation of a follower of Jesus. Because we are so appreciative for what God has done for us and what Jesus has done for us, it's natural that we would want to bring a sacrifice, that we would want to bring some type of gift to him. So to me, that should just flow out of our relationship, our gratitude, our thankfulness to who he is. So this is a great thing that this person would be bringing this gift to God. Awesome that they're doing it. Awesome they recognize who he is and they want to bring this gift to him. And for us today, I started thinking about what does that sacrifice look like? For us, that sacrifice could be our daily time with God. For us, maybe it is an actual gift. Maybe it's a monetary gift that we're getting ready to give to Cedar Creek Church that we can do the ministry that we're about. Maybe it is something like um, time that we're about to do. Maybe it's a, a spiritual gift that we have. But the point is that we're presenting gifts to God pretty regularly. And we're, again, as we go through this passage, we're going to see what we're told to do with that gift if we're in conflict with somebody. But the reality is that we're presenting gifts, sacrifices to God, hopefully on a very regular basis. And then I want you to notice what Jesus talks about next. While this gift is being presented, he says that this person might suddenly remember. We're going to talk about what they remember in a minute. But this is key to me because this isn't a coincidence. 
Um, it's kind of what God's been doing in my life lately through his Holy Spirit. I think what happens here is that God's presence living in us, the Holy Spirit, revealed to this person as we're presenting this gift that, hey, you need to stop right now what you're doing. You need to remember something for just a minute. Stop in your tracks and remember something. And again, we're going to see what that is that we're supposed to remember. But typically when I think about people I'm in contact and conflict with, I don't really stop and want to remember much about them. I'm trying to get them out of my mind, but it's God's Holy Spirit working in me, reminding me, hey, Danny, I need you to do something about this broken relationship, which is exactly what happened with this message. I'm cruising through life minding my own business. Pastor Philip says, I'm going to be gone this week. Here's a message for you. Pastor Philip probably does not even know. I don't even know if I've shared that story about my dad with him at all, but the message happens to be on reconciliation. To me, that's the Holy Spirit working and suddenly reminding me, Danny, before you present a gift to me, something needs to happen. So, first of all, we'll present a gift um, and just out of gratitude, thankfulness to the Lord. As we do that, um, God might reveal to us something that we need to do in our own life. And here, he reveals to, to someone that somebody has something against them. Somebody has something against them. And that's the reality of life. Um, that we do things against other people, they do things against us, and that just happens. It's, it's what happens in life, and the reality is, let's not play games. None of us are too holy that we don't do that. Maybe in a small way, maybe in a big way, but all of us are guilty at different times of, of, of causing an offense to someone, and then also at times we're offended against. We all fall into this category, and we're all guilty of this very thing. But whatever the case is, what I want you to understand here is that this person's going to offer this gift. They remember all of a sudden that somebody has something against them, or I could even turn it around and say that we have something against someone else. And then I want you to notice what, what Jesus tells us to do. He says to leave that sacrifice at the altar. This blows me away when I read this passage every time because this seems so whacked up because I feel like our whole life is supposed to be about worshiping God. And here Jesus is saying, Yes, your life's supposed to be about worshiping God, but if you have something against a brother or sister, you need to leave that sacrifice, you need to leave that time with God, and you need to go, you need to take care of whatever it is that he's leading you to take care of. So do we think this is important to God? Absolutely. Remember, he's created us to worship him, but now he's saying leave that sacrifice and go work on whatever is broken. Go work on reconciliation in the relationship that you're in. Absolutely blows me away because it just seems so opposite of what we're supposed to do. And as I wrestled with this passage, it dawned on me, um, probably mid-morning mid yesterday morning, that could it just be that it is an act of worship to go and to reconcile with somebody? Is it an act of worship to go and to resolve that conflict that's in our relationship? Is that a way that you and I actually can worship God? And I came to the conclusion, absolutely it is, because I'm being obedient to what God tells me in his word. I'm doing what he told me to do. So resolving conflict, uh, reconciliation is absolutely a way for us to worship God. So now all of a sudden the passage didn't seem so weird to me because what God's saying is, hey, I, you come and I want you to present these gifts to me, but if you have a situation, a struggle, a difficulty with a brother or sister, I need you to worship me in a different way and I need you to go in and I need you to resolve that relationship with them. So my whole perspective changed, and I realized that's what he's talking about, that reconciliation is a way that you and I can worship. And then he gives the, 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 the command here, and he says, go and be reconciled. Now, this is the point where I really did not like this message. I really did not like what God had to say as I prepared for this message, because here's the deal. Go and be reconciled. Jesus tells us we have to make the first move. Okay, I'm the child. This is my dad over here. He's the adult. Of course, I know I'm an adult now, so I get that. But he should be coming to me 
to reconcile. I shouldn't be going to him to reconcile. But what God's telling me in this passage is go and be reconciled. He's saying, Danny, you go. You make the first move. It's not up to your dad to do this. I'm telling you as a follower of Jesus Christ, you go and you make the first move. And I don't like that because I feel like that I've tried to do that. But God continues to say, no, you make the next move. You make the next move. You continually do that. So we have to take that first step of reconciliation. It's on us to do that as much as we may not want to think about that and as much as we may not want to do that. And I want you to remember this. Walking with Jesus is never about being fair. And this is something I really wrestle with that God brought back to my mind as I was preparing is being a believer is not about being fair. I'll tell you this, being at Cedar Creek Church, this isn't a fair church. You may find us at times looking inconsistent. We may let one person serve in a ministry with some baggage and stuff in their life, whereas over here we may choose to and, and just know some things that we don't let this person serve. Or we may choose to support this ministry over here and we choose not to support this ministry over here. And what it looks like on the outside is y'all aren't being fair, but I need you to understand it's not always about being fair. It's about doing what God has led you to do and being where God wants you to be. And that's what we try so hard here to do is to listen to God's voice and to treat every situation on its own unique merit and try to treat ministry that way. And look at each, anything that comes into our path, we try to treat it by itself and deal with that. God, what do you want us to do about this? And so don't get caught up in thinking this is about being fair because it's not about being fair. God is calling us to make that first move no matter what or to continue to make a move no matter what. He wants us to take that step. Walking with Jesus, and I'm really honest with you today, is not about you anymore. It's about God and it's about other people. I'm reminded in Galatians uh, 2.20, it says that we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who lives, but God lives in us. And it's about him living in and through us is what our lives become about. And it's not about us. So this reconciliation is more about being obedient to God and doing what he's called us to do, even than more about ourselves. He calls us to do it, and we need to be obedient to do that. The other thing I was reminded as I was thinking about this point is um, that Jesus offered reconciliation to me. And Jesus Christ continues to offer reconciliation to me. Because the reality of it is this. If you could sit here and see my life on a screen you would be embarrassed that you're sitting here listening to me because I'm broken and I'm frail and I'm messed up and I'm sinful just like you are. And the reality is Jesus comes to me every day and offers me reconciliation. So who am I to think that I'm so great that I can't offer reconciliation to somebody else? And that really smacked me in the face when I realized it's extended to me on a daily basis, but yet I can't extend that to somebody else. Am I better than Jesus? Huh, I don't think so. And so this was another place where God just grabbed my heart and said, Danny, I need you to wake up. I'm calling you to be a peacemaker. Maybe today we need to see this whole thing of reconciling with other people as a way to worship, as a way to worship God by being obedient to him. The tough question comes in this. What happens if we try to reconcile, but the other person's not open to it? much like the situation I'm in, and here's what I'll tell you. It's going to happen because it's happened to me. And what I know from this message today is God tells me, Danny, go. You make the first move. You be faithful. You continue to do it. It doesn't matter what your dad does. In the end, that's between God and my dad, and I can't control him. What I've got to do is move to that place of peace, of realizing I've tried. I've been obedient to God. I've tried to work on this relationship. I've tried to reconcile this relationship. And that's all I can do. I've been obedient. And at that point, rest in that and be at peace. Always ready to reconcile and continuing to try to reconcile. But even if it falls on deaf ears, realize I've been faithful. I've done what God's called me to do. So no matter where you are and how hard that is, I would challenge you 
along with me just to remember that point. Our obedience is what's most important. And as long as we're working at that and we're striving for that and we're open for that, that's all God asks us to do. The rest of it is between him and that other person. So today, even if you're trying, don't get weary. And I'm talking to myself probably more than I'm talking to you. Danny, don't get weary. Keep pursuing it and keep going after it hard. The last thing I will share with you real briefly is this. Just a few quick steps, and I won't take long on any of these, but just a few quick steps that will help lead to reconciliation or at least that can help lead to reconciliation. The first one is um, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Can I tell you this? Before you make your next attempt, before I, in this next week, try to reach out to my dad, I will be praying diligently for God to give me wisdom. God, when do I do this? What do I say? God, humble me in this process. God, help me to be vulnerable and be open in this process. But I'll be asking God for wisdom. And I was reminded from a lady this morning at the end of the first service. She said, Danny, don't forget the role of forgiveness in this, that you've got to forgive him before you can move on in this process, before reconciliation can take place. Forgiveness has got to be there. So I'll be asking God, God, help me move to a place of forgiving my dad so that you can do through me what you want to do. Second thing, make the first move. We talked about that, so I'll keep moving. The third one is begin with your fault. I don't like this point at all. Begin with your fault. I feel like that I've worked hard to try to reconcile with my dad. But the reality is there's still some of this that's on me. There's still some of this that's my fault, no doubt about it. I could have continued to pursue him. I could have showed up at his house. There's other things that I could have done that didn't make this relationship a priority like it should have been. So I'm going to have to admit that to my dad and say to him, this is where I am. This is what I've done. Uh, and I'm sorry for, for not pursuing this relationship and not wanting to be in this relationship like I should have been. So I've got to begin with my fault. The next point is one that very few people I've ever met do this well, and that is listen. Most of the time, if you're like me, when I listen, I'm listening to figure out how to respond to you. I'm listening about how I can have some kind of rebuttal against something you've said. I don't really stop and listen like I should to the heart and ask questions that help me understand what's really happening inside. That's the listening I'm talking about. When I sit across from my dad and I talk with him, allowing him to share, and instead of becoming brittle and angry, God, please help me hear what my dad's trying to tell me. Is he living a life of guilt because he sees how successful three of his kids are and his stepdaughter struggling through life? Is he dealing with a guilty con I don't know if it's guilt. I don't know if it's pain. I don't know if it's air. I don't, I don't know what he's dealing with, but I've got to be willing to listen to what he's telling me because chances are once I listen to him, I'm going to understand a little bit more about where he's coming from. Not that it'll justify it, but I may understand it a little bit more. The fifth thing is, this is big, focus on the problem, not the blame. Focus on the problem. Focus on the root cause of what's caused that disunity, what's caused the need for reconciliation. Focus on that and don't focus on the blame. The blame doesn't help. Both parties, to some degree, are going to be at blame all the time. It's just the reality of it. But what we need to focus on is, hey, what's the problem and don't get stuck on blaming. And then the last thing, and this is key, reconciliation over resolution. I'll say that again, reconciliation, restoring that relationship over resolving it because chances are that situation will not be able to be resolved, not in a way that both parties agree, agree was successful. So here the point is let's agree to work on this thing to reconcile, to restore this instead of a resolution to this issue. And that's huge. That is a huge point right there that we get to the place of just realizing things have happened, things that have happened that shouldn't have happened. We can't change that, but we've got to move forward from here, and we've got to make this thing better moving forward. So here's what I want to challenge you today. 
And that is to realize that your unresolved conflict, my unresolved conflict hurts us in many ways. Physically it hurts us, but it really hurts us spiritually because it causes a disconnect between us and God because reconciliation is so important to him that he would say, stop worshiping here and go take care of that situation. So we've got to understand that it, it hurts us physically and it hurts us spiritually. And my challenge would be that we would be people who would be known to be reconcilers. This very church was founded on this whole idea of being reconcilers. In 2 Corinthians, we're told that we've been reconciled with God and now we have been called to be reconcilers. And I will tell you today, that involves relationships as well. We've been called to go and reconcile relationships that aren't healthy and aren't where they, where they need to be. It's hard, it's difficult, I'm living it out myself, but we're called to do that as Christ followers. The very last thing I'm going to share with you is this. The very root of everything I've talked with you about today boils down to one thing, and that is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if not, Scripture says that you're an enemy of God. Scripture tells us that you are very, very far from God. But here's the incredible news I need to tell you today. Jesus Christ came into this world for you to bridge that gap of where God is and where you are, and he's bridged that gap for you. And he will take the penalty for your sin. He will take the payment for your sin. You may have to deal with some of the consequences of your sin, but the penalty and the payment, he has taken care of that for you. And scripture even says that you are holy and blameless before God through Jesus Christ. So what I'm telling you today is God has taken care of a huge situation in your life. He's reconciled you to himself through Jesus Christ. If you will surrender to him, and that's the beginning step of this message I'll tell you today, is that you've got to have a relationship with Jesus for this thing to work. And more than anything, he wants that passionately. He sent Jesus Christ to make that possible. And if you need to talk to somebody more about that, we have prayer encouragers. They're going to be on the sides of the stage in just a few moments. They'll be more than happy to talk with you about beginning that relationship, understanding a little bit more about what it means to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ because again that's the most important decision you'll ever make and then as believers being living in obedience to Christ is critically important and we've got to be peacemakers for that to happen so would you join me in prayer father I want to come to you and thank you for today uh, father I want to thank you for this message and a week ago I didn't feel that way uh, a week ago I was angry with you a week ago I couldn't believe that I was gonna have to speak on this topic but I want to thank you for calling me to do that, and I want to thank you for the challenges that you've given me this week in preparation. And I want to pray for each person here, because chances are each one of them are in a relationship that there's some conflict that's been unresolved. And I just pray, God, that your word, that Matthew 5, 23 and 24, would speak to them. And Father, they would understand as we've talked some about this message today and looked at some different angles of reconciliation, that they would understand that a little bit more. And Father, that you would just put a desire in all of us to be reconcilers. And that Father, you would remind all of us that you're not asking us to do something you haven't already done. You reconcile with us every single day through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that none of us get too prideful that we won't show that same reconciliation to others and that we won't do it daily and that we won't always make the first move to do that. And God, it's hard, it's difficult, it's frustrating. At times it's going to cause us to be angry, but the reality is you have called us to be peacemakers and we need as believers and followers of Jesus Christ to do what you've called us to do that make us more like Jesus. So would you speak clearly to each of us today? And then I do pray for the man, the woman, the boy, the girl, the teenager that's sitting here that doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. 
What I know today is, Father, that's what you want more than anything else is for them to know you personally. And I pray right now that you would grab their heart. And, Father, I pray you would squeeze their heart. I pray you would convict them right now to get out of their seats in a moment and to go find a prayer encourager and to begin to find out about taking that journey to you through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, nobody will ever love us like you love us. Nobody will ever accept us like you accept us. Nobody has plans for us like you have plans for us. So I pray for that person. They would step out in faith and begin to explore that relationship. Father, thank you again for the commands that you give us in your word. Thank you for the way that you push us to become more and more like Jesus, more and more like you. And Father, may you take away all the fear, the doubts, the worries, and help us run to you with everything in our beings, knowing that what you've called us to is always what's best. Thank you for our time today, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.